Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pendulum Show. And today there's only one topic we can talk about, the biggest news of the week. Actually, there were two big news items this week. We thought we got the biggest piece of news this week, like sometime midweek and then <laughs> everything just fell to pieces after that. Mm. So, but anyway, yeah, we are here to talk about Najib's trial and conviction this week on uh, money laundering charges by the KL High Court. Uh, it's, it's quite historic news. Obviously, it's the first time that a Prime Minister or ex-Prime Minister has ever been convicted of a crime in a Malaysian court. Uh, some people are viewing it as a landmark in like our progress towards being a full-fledged democracy. They look at other countries like South Korea and Taiwan where uh, convictions of past leaders on corruption charges was a big part of their transition to democracy. Mm. So, we want to talk about whether that's really the case here, whether uh, this news is a lot to shout about or whether people are just getting excited over nothing. Mm. Uh, but I think before we get into that, we really need to get into the details of what Najib was actually convicted of and what the mm. process looks like moving forward. So maybe Teva, you can get into that a bit. Okay, so, um, so as we all know, this is the SRC trial, right? This is one of the five criminal trials that he's currently involved in. Uh, this trial has been going on for the past, uh, I was been a hundred days. Hundred days. Too long already, la. So okay. So um, right now he's being convicted on seven charges. Uh, three three of those charges is under the penal code. Um, it is the criminal breach of trust. Um, one count on abuse of power that is under the MACC, and three more charges on money laundering, which is under AMLA. La. So, uh, as, uh, as Baba mentioned before, this is the highest ranked politician to be charged ever in Malaysia in a court. Alright, so um, from the MACC charges, the abuse of power, um, that was on the count of um, 4, billion do- 4 billion ringgit worth of loans approved from uh, KW, KWP, KWSP, uh, yeah. KWSP, yeah, SRC. to SRC International. Okay, so the, then the penal code and the AMLA charges, those were the misappropriation of 42 million ringgit in charges for the SRC fund itself. So um, SRC is, was under 1MDB before, so now it's currently is now under the finance ministry. Uh, so, so as we all know, these are, this is one of five other criminal um, trials that he's being convicted for. Um, so to, to just go, go, go uh, on surface level of the other four, um, the other one is the 1MDB trial that, uh, that involves 25 charges, right? Uh, then is, there's the 1MDB audit case. Uh, that is uh, one count on abuse of power as well. And then there's two more trials. Uh, those are for the IPIC ones. Yeah. Uh, six criminal breach of trust charges as well as three more counts of money laundering for the misappropriation of 27 million ringgit in money laundering charges. Yeah, uh, this guy has got a lot. Sounds like a uh, really good resume, uh, like. Really, it's like a really good, colorful resume, right? It really is, like. It really is. Like. I, I, the, I was reading all this, and I was like, this guy has so many charges, man. Come on, like. What? Yeah, it. Um, I think he's facing up to how many years in total if all of these. Oh, uh, I, I don't know how how many is it in total. I. 57 if, I was, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think I, I thought it was 72, 75. Uh, looking at that, right? It can add up, bloody. So, okay. So, um, right now, yeah. he is... They have appealed for the state of execution, uh, execution, which was granted on a mm. $1 million bail with two sureties, mm. um, which he has already posted. Mm. Yeah. $1 million. Uh, one Out million. of 2.6 billion, what is $1 million? <laughs> really, really one two thousand six hundred. <laughs> Of the money that he stole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. even uh, also during these uh, the, this trial, right? He was also um, the prosecution had um, been able to get him to stand on his defense as well. So he had to go on go on uh, understand understand yes yeah. understand to his own defense. So um so that allowed them to allowed him to be cross examined by the prosecution itself. Yeah. So um. Yeah, uh, so there were 57 uh, prosecution witnesses and 19 including him which were on his defense. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the entirety of the case, lah. To be honest. Yeah. So basically, when you're talking about AMLA, this is the any anti money laundering yes, act, right? Yes, money laundering. Okay. So that is the act which they used to seize all of her handbags, Rosma's handbag, the, <laughs> the hundreds of millions of ringgit in cash, just raw cash. Yeah. Yeah. Pavilion apartment. Okay. So that's one. And then the when you say KWSP, right? So he approved a loan from the. Government retirees fund basically, yes, right? Yes. Is the retirees fund is like the equivalent of somewhat equivalent to EPF for yes. government mm. employees, mm. and he approved this loan from them basically to bail out the, yeah. uh, this one NDB subsidiary called SRC, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I I I read that the judge basically said he's the giver and he's the receiver. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's the key in charge of the cabinet approved this loan from. Yeah. KWSP to go into SRC and then transfer di- directly into his or directly or indirectly into his own personal bank accounts. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know if we, we really want to get into the nitty gritty of, of how all this happened, la, but it's it's uh, one of the most creative uh, money laundering schemes that <laughs> anywhere in the world have ever been seen. Like if, if you read the, the, the Billion Dollar Whale or uh, Claire Rucastle Brown's book, uh, from Sarawak report, like it's it's impossible to keep track. Wait. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money trail, like like you're talking about the IP IPIC yeah, case, IPIC, right? Yeah. They basically set up another company called IPIC with the same name as the company that One MDB had a deal with, mm. uh, so that it wouldn't be obvious that they were transferring yeah. money to a shell company. And I mean, his uh, entire defense, right? Yeah. His defense testimony, two hundred and forty-three pages, wow. Mm. His entire defense yeah. was the fact that he got donations from the Saudi prince from of uh, 3.2 billion uh, from the from what year? 2011 to 2013. Mm. That's his entire defense, you know. Yeah. And they just played around with just that. Can you imagine? Uh, 100 days of li- uh, listening to a guy just tell, uh, tell everybody exactly the same thing again and again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, it comes to a point, like, <laughs> like And uh, the, the judge went full blast on him on this particular point because his whole defense rested on the on the claim that it was a donation yeah. from a so-called Prince Saud from Saudi, yeah. you know, who literally yep. does not exist. <laughs> does not exist. And uh, basically, like, they, they said, you know, uh, you claim that you got this money from Prince from so-called Prince Saud. Uh, you never verified it with Prince Saud. You took it all on, <laughs> on Jolo's word that this money came from Prince Saud. Uh, you... You were you've been meeting with the king of Saudi Arabia at the time because yeah. the claim is that the king wanted this money to come to him, right? And you met with the king, you've written letters to the king during this time, and you never said thank you, which <laughs> <laughs> so, like what gives you know? <laughs> it's just like what pocket change to the Saudi king, you know, to give you <laughs> tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so like it was so ridiculous that you you thought that you thought that this kind of uh, excuse would fly, but obviously you know in the past our legal system, mm. yeah, it would fly. It would fly. The yeah, attorney yeah. general cleared him. Yep. The NMACC at the time also cleared him. Mm. There was no rule of law, no respect for the rule of law under the previous uh, under the BN government, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So. That's where we stand, lah. The the fact that that the that he managed to get to this stage is, is in fact a milestone. Yeah, it's never it, it's never been done before. Nobody's ever managed to pull this off. Mm. Uh, but yeah. the big question is like whether this will stick. Mm. Yeah, that is yeah, that is the most important questions right now. So yeah. maybe you want to do you want to elaborate on possibly the appeal process, right? Because right now. He has been granted stay of execution, yeah. right? And right now, there's um, he. What is the, the process to appeal to overturn the decision? Mm-hmm. Would you have any idea? Yeah. Um, so um, right now, he needs to a- apply for the court of appeals to consider his case. So that takes some time. Mm-hmm. And, and appeal then, to appeal. Appeal to appeal. Yes. And then he goes to the court of appeal, and then. If they if they up uh, if they uphold the 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 conviction, he can yeah. then try to appeal for the federal court to take his case. 
and then you can go to the federal court, and then the, if the federal court if the federal court finally um uh, upholds the, the conviction, then yeah he's going to jail Yeah. So mm. yeah, his stay of execution can be, I mean even in the even during the uh, conviction process, right? Um, his defense also said that this will take about three to four months. Yeah. But I think we all can agree that it's not going to take three to four months, lah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it can. I I don't know how how long this can be dragged out to, lah. But yeah. So is it okay in if you're okay if we're gonna be speaking about justice, right? Mm. Okay. Um is it in the best interest to expedite it as fast as possible or does it really matter if it extends to about one to two years, for example? Does it really matter at the end of the day? I think what is at play here? I think like uh in any in any criminal case, right? Mm. Yeah. You want justice to be served as quickly as possible, as close to the time of the crime, right? Mm. And obviously, our court system is whether it's overloaded or the system is dysfunctional. But these things take ages and ages. Like even Anwar's uh, sodomy case, I think it took five years, five years mm. for him, you know, to be mm. sentenced to jail for five years. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, obviously, like. For just uh, obviously it would serve the interest of justice in my opinion mm. for this case to be handled as quickly as it can be while following like due process where I mean obviously we you are considered innocent until uh, found guilty right the yeah. presumption of innocence like is a very important legal principle yeah yeah but we also have uh, there's a lot of political risk in yeah. dragging it out because this whole case this whole Najib being charged and convicted has been made possible by the change in the political environment, yes. right? Which happened in 2018. Mm. And now we're in 2020, the political environment has changed again. Mm-hmm. He mm. is behind the current government. He's, mm. a, he's a backbencher for the current government, right? Yeah. And, ob- and we have a long history of interference. So the longer it drags out, obviously there, uh, there's greater risk that they will intervene mm. uh, in the mm. case in some way, shape or form. And uh, I think we were talking about this earlier, right? That mm. uh, this is the lowest. This is the, in a sense, the lowest level of the of the justice system, yes, right? Is. This is where the case is heard first. Yeah. And at the high court, there have been times where the high court has made these kind of uh, decisions which run against the the grain uh, of yeah. what mm-hmm. the the government of the day wants. Like even in in Anwar's case, I believe he was acquitted at the at the high court level. And then it's only at the court of appeals that they overturn the decision and send him to jail. Oh. Mm. So obviously that can happen lah because it looks like the, the lower court is more independent than the higher court. Mm. So there's that risk lah. At the same time, there have been new judges appointed in the past two years or so. Yeah. Uh, so there is a chance that you know these holdovers will be uh will will be independent enough to yeah. to to see this through to to, to the airline and, and to see him put behind bars better yeah. chances than ever before no doubt mm, yeah I don't know if you saw the press conference after the decision was made when he, Najib gave his press conference right he did not look like someone who was afraid of anything you know yeah like he he like he knew he expected this decision to happen because like you said this is where the lower court normally does make these decisions and then yeah. it goes on from there, right? So he sort of expected this decision and then he believes very strongly that he can possibly overturn this as it has happened in the past, right? Yeah. But I mean, right now, I mean, I think there are a lot of uncertainties right now. We, we can only really hope that the, the current government, the government of the day right now, does try to make sure that the, there is as little interference as possible and hopefully that the conviction stays. But right now, um, how, uh, on this basis that he's going to jail, do you feel like justice is served? Mm. Assuming that there are no overturns of decisions or whatsoever, mm. he going to jail, him going to jail alone, is that enough justice for the Malaysian people? Wait. I mean... We have talked about like Jolo and all like later on. I mean, there are also other Abno uh, politicians that need to be included. But right now, at least the main guy. Baba, you can take this. 
this was your this one. Your I, baby. Is this your baby? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, in his individual case, if he goes to jail on this uh, charge, the there's four other cases. In fact, I think the second trial that mm. he's currently facing mm. that is the that is a much bigger case than this because mm. it involves the two point six billion ringgit which was in Najib's public bank account, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's the big one. If it, uh, so. And and yeah, so I feel like okay, there's a good chance that on one of these at least he he is going to go to jail for it. Um, if he goes to jail, I think that justice is served in this individual case. Like that, he personally did a lot of damage to the country, uh, siphoning off money, uh, destroying our reputation. I mean, who would want to invest in a country that can 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 experience this level of corruption, right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, th- there's a widespread belief that like he has continued to interfere in the politics like that he that he was one of the brains behind the whole Sheraton move. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot of these things. That, I mean, he's he's not like uh, he's not a reformed man in any way. Yeah, he's continued mm-hmm. to he's continued to interfere. So yeah, in this individual case, yes, justice would have been served, but. Uh, the system, the system which allowed him to do what he did, still exists. It mm. still exists. There, there was so much power centralized in the hands of the the prime minister, right? The power to appoint all these GLC positions. Yeah. He was the finance minister. Yeah, he was the finance minister. Yeah, he was the finance minister, and he was the prime minister. He approved the loan to go to this company, of yep. which he was mm-hmm. an advisor mm-hmm. when he had appointed the uh, Joe Lo to to basically run the show. Mm. All that was allowed. He has the power to appoint, of course, the Attorney General, Solicitor General, Auditor General, all these people who are supposed to provide oversight over him, he is appointing them. He appointed, mm. he has the power to appoint the MACC Commissioner, mm. uh, the Commissioners of the MACC, again, supposed to provide oversight, check this kind of abuse. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big circle, basically, right? And okay, that's, that happened when Najib was Prime Minister, but the current prime minister can do exactly the same thing. He yep. can also mm-hmm. appoint the election commissioners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the whole reason that he got away with it is because he he had control. All the people who, who could have stopped him were dependent yeah. on him. Mm-hmm. And today, yeah. with the PM is moving in. But all those people in those positions are also dependent on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, the faces have changed. The system is still the same. It's just waiting for another character like Najib to come along. The the only thing that has changed, in my view, right, is that the attitude of large part of the Malaysian people and some of our politicians, yeah. that has shifted. That has shifted. But has it shifted enough to prevent this from happening again? I honestly don't think we can say for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, a large part of us moving towards a more fulfilled democracy, right, is like especially in regards to cases like this is that I think freedom of speech is quite important here. You know, mm. like you can't be prosecuting and charging whistleblowers, for example. There needs to be more greater protection for these whistleblowers. Um, in this current climate, do you think that there, or with possibly with this new government, would you see a change in attitudes towards that? In how journalists operate, and is there a space for whistleblowers to come out against this? particular cases for example there are a lot of bad signs right in the past few months mm. uh, the police have been going after journalists in a big way if you look at the al jazeera case where they reported mm. on the on the treatment of of, of immigrants right yeah mm. uh, yeah <laughs> the police have been harassing them uh, other journalists have also been harassed by the police uh, parliament digital parliament digital, parliament digital. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Chara Melinda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so again, it goes back to the fact that all the laws which allowed this to happen under BN, Pakatan was in charge. The laws are still there. They were not gotten rid of. The Sedition Act is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the, the, the laws about freedom of assembly are still there. You have the law, the University and University College Act. It's, it was amended, but it's still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All these things provide legal mechanisms to restrict freedom of speech, right? Mm-hmm. All of that's like this, and it all depends on the government of the day, 
how willing they are to allow dissent. And we and obviously, like you're not gonna have uh, good people in charge all the time. Mm. And and so, and so you you the fact that they still have these tools in their hands is a very bad sign. The fact that they've been using these tools more in the past few months is also a very bad sign. So yeah, not so hopeful in that direction. Lah. I don't think that this government is like very fundamentally different from in, in terms of freedom yeah. of speech, I don't think that they're very different from what BN was in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean do you, do you, what do you think? No, I I completely agree with you on that front. I don't think there is a real difference at all. If anything, I think there was a better there was some glimmer of hope towards becoming one under Pakatan Harapan, at least during the early stages, right? Yeah. Mm. But uh, not so much with this current government. I don't see that happening. I mean, yeah, we're sliding back to the same system. What's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So even like, for example, yeah, so uh, do you want to talk about maybe, we'll talk about the political ramifications in a bit. Lah. But mm. basically, overall, I just... Uh, make a poll right now. Do you okay, Teva? Yes. Justice has been served on the assumption that Najib goes to jail. Does it matter for at least one of the five, or is it all five? What are your thoughts? Does he need to go to jail for all five for justice to be properly served, or as long as he goes to jail? Mm. Uh, for me, I mean, this is my personal opinion. He needs to go to jail for all five. Then I will completely, I will be able to completely trust in the judicial system. To carry out what they're what they're supposed to do, you know. Mm. If he just but what if, if he gets acquitted for one two or he just goes for only one, I I don't know, man. These the amount of evidence against him, right? Mm. Is but is too much. Is there's there's too much there's too much evidence against him on every every front on all five count on all five trials. There's so much evidence that shows that he should go to jail. Yeah. And yeah. if we if we were to go to jail on just one, I think that the judicial system has failed us. I, to me, like this. Mm. I I personally don't think it should stop at Najib. Mm. I think we need to get everyone in jail. With, obviously, with, every, with sufficient evidence uh. into into a trial and then into conviction. Mm. They are all innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, but right now we need to get all parties involved. Jolo, bring on that motherfucker! <laughs> From apparently he's in Macau, back to Malaysia. I don't. Is that possible? Do you think we can bring Jolo back? Should be a campaign. I think we have to. I think we have to kidnap him or something like that. I don't think there's any legal way that they can bring back. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 At least you know bringing the thing is. Uh, if you don't bring out the other politicians involved, right? It's yeah, it's more just basically these politicians will just let Najib be sacrificed so that they can escape into the into the horizon peacefully. You know, yeah. like I don't think it 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 will actually match up to whatever justice is supposed to be served. I think everyone should be convicted. Then only you can really make a point that at least you know you're not you're not. And uh, you can't hold the helm or like you can't play puppets mm. with people in power, you know, even though you, you, you put them in this position in the first place, but then you can't play puppets with the institutions in place. And yeah. like Bamba said, I don't know whether this will actually happen, but that is my opinion anyway. Lah. Yeah, uh, my opinion is as long as he goes to jail for at least 10 or 15 years. Mm. In in total, uh, at the end of all of this, I feel that yes, justice has been served in his individual case. He that he at least has had to answer for his crimes. Mm. And maybe if if Rosma is also convicted, Rosma. Uh, I mean, she has fewer charges against her. Uh, like the main one is the solar farm project. Mm. The, not solar farm. The solar, the the solar panel project in Sarawak. I think that's the main case against her at the moment, right? Mm. So yeah, if, if these two individuals individuals go to jail. Uh, I think in, in that case, they, they have got what was coming to them because I don't think that they will do well in prison. <laughs> well, I, who knows what, what kind of prison they actually go to. La. That's right. You know, you could, they could be going to like one of the fanciest prisons ever. Pablo do we have fancy prisons? I'm not aware. They could, they, I don't know. I mean, I mean, they can just convert one jail cell. You know, yeah. It doesn't have to be a fancy prison, right? Yeah. 
But yeah. okay, I guess we'll move on from there, lah. You know, um, we all have our different views on what justice served should be, but yeah. at, at least on the base level is that he should go to jail. Mm. Um, so right now, what are the ramifications politically for the country from this actual trial and conviction? Hmm. No. Bombas, this is yours, Bombas. Everything is Bombas, yeah. So we need to get into the one of the three bombshells that we've had this week, right? Mm. So bombshells. bombshells. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. wait, we already went. We already went through one, right? One is Najib's conviction. Ah. Uh, now, second bombshell. Okay. Mm. Second bombshell, but chronologically, I think it's the third. So uh, <laughs> basically, wow. uh, basically, when after Najib was convicted. Uh, the president of AMNO and DN, uh, Azahi Hamidi, he said that AMNO needs to make a major political decision because obviously AMNO is part of the Perikatan government right now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I believe on Friday he announced that AMNO is pulling out from Perikatan, or rather that AMNO won't be a part of Perikatan. Mm. So they have, a, so I guess it's it's kind of. Yeah. You have to draw some kind of Venn diagram, lah. <laughs> basically, you have Amno and MCA and MIC in Barisan National, right? Good old yeah. Barisan National yes. still exists. Then Amno yeah. and Pass specifically have their own deal, which is called Muafakat. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. And then all of this plus Bersatu, plus all the Sarawak parties, plus some from Sabah. Basically, everybody else, lah. Uh-huh. It's in. Ikatan, which is the big Venn diagram. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying we are not part of this. So now we have to enter into third and fourth dimensions like, to draw the Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, yes. So you said they're not part of Ikatan, uh. but they have invited Muridin to join Muafakat. Yeah. They still support his government. Uh, what does that mean, uh, actually? So, so there was speculation, right? Um, Let's go back to, I think we have to go back to March when this whole Sheraton move happened, right? Yeah. It appears, February. Yeah. To me, like, to, to my view, it looks like everybody did not, everybody was acting in the blind, basically. There mm. were these people in Amno who felt that, uh, that being part of this coalition mm. meant that the cases would go away. That was their mm. main interest, lah. Okay? There mm. were others in Amno. Who basically just wanted to have have posts and positions. Mm. You have the league recording of the prime minister, right? Mm. Uh, planning this out, right? We will give out the chairmanship of GLCs, whatever position they want, we will give them. Yeah. So that's yeah. the motive of some others in Amno. And then mm. there are still probably some in the Bersatu, in Azmin's Katal, and all that, who mm. maybe have some, who still want to enact some reforms basically and all of them are not clear on what each other's intentions are so now it may be becoming obvious to people like Zahid, Najib, uh, Tengku Adnan that Muhyiddin has got no intention of making their cases go away yeah. mm. and so they are sort of putting out an ultimatum to him we can bring you down you have a majority of two seats if you don't do something about this oh. uh, there are consequences basically yeah mm. uh, but it's very unclear like how far are they willing to go? Are they still willing to wait to see all these cases run their course first? Or are they going to take like drastic action now? Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a mm. big question. Like, nobody, nobody really know. I don't think anybody knows for sure what the yeah. ramifications are. I don't know. What do, what do, what's your view on this? Um, I, I also agree that it's quite unclear, right? But I feel all of it right now will lead to a question of whether the election is hap- a snap election is going to happen, uh. and if so, how soon is it? Because I feel this is only leading to they're pre- they're making all these moves calculatively mm. to make sure that whatever party is well positioned for a snap election, it has to be sooner rather than later. Mm. You know, uh, they, if they, for example, there are different ramifications for Amno if this once this Najib trial goes on any longer, right? And yeah. then there are no convictions of the current AMNO leaders involved in that scandal. That, that there are ramifications on them as well. I'm was quite unclear of where Bersatu will stand because right now in within Perikatan there's Bersatu, but then they invited to join Muafakat National because on their own standalone they they're not strong. They don't hold any real political weight. Mm. Then 
um, who does bersatu lean on? Does bersatu want to go back with Amno, uh, or does bersatu want to join forces with Pekia? Because that's a possibility, right? So I think right now it's just basically elections. I feel that is the only thing that is basically leading towards. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it. the political situation has become incredibly messy, mm. right? Uh, I mean, within UMNO itself, okay, first of all, there are a lot of people in Bersatu even making statements that uh, basically that all of this is, is, is for the better, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, even Muhyiddin himself basically put out a statement saying, mostly in support of the decision or allowing this, yeah. this process to run its course. Mm. And at the same time in Amno, like if you read some of the articles uh, coming out from sources within Amno, even those who are in the cabinet now, there are a lot of people in Amno who have benefited from within taking over, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, they've gotten ministerial, ministerial posts and mm. GLC posts and so on. So mm. their fortunes they are basically their fortunes are tied to Muhyiddin's bandwagon, yeah. and mm-hmm. people like Zahid and Najib are dead weight to them, right? Yeah. Mm. So uh, the question is, can Amno pull together in this scenario? Say Amno pulls out of government, right? There are mm. a lot of people who don't want to give up their posts, right? They, I mean, they're making like what nine-figure salaries probably from some of these positions, mm. and not willing to give it up. So will all of them uh, follow Zahid and Najib out of out of the government? Uh, good chance that 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 they won't, right? I yeah. mean, even after the last election, so many Amno MPs switched over to Bersatu and they have not gone back. The fact that Bersatu has got thirty six MPs now mm. is basically yeah. because of crossovers because they only won ten seats in the last election. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, if so, so so some of the scenarios that I read about is if Amno pulls out, Bersatu mm. still has options. They can mm. compromise with the Pakatan opposition. Mm. The red line probably for PAS and for some in Bersatu is that they cannot work with DAP, right? Mm. They view mm. DAP as Chinese interest party and so on. Mm. Mm. But uh, some of them want to work with Kadilan with Anwar. Uh, mm. If they if they manage to pull that off, then they can stay in power. Uh, they may work with the East Malaysian parties also. So basically, yeah. it, basically they have uh, other options other than Amno. If if enough MPs from Amno stick with the government, and they can get some others from the other side, yeah, it's still possible for them to stay in power. It's still possible for Muhyiddin to stay in power as the prime minister. Mm. So mm. it'll be quite interesting to see how that plays out. But the question is like when, as all this maneuvering is happening, happening right, whether at some point, snap election will be will become inevitable. That nobody mm. will be able to sort out this knot, to yeah. undo this knot, uh, and uh, we will have to go to to the polls. So, yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Cause uh, bro, Corona, bro, how to poll? Ah, uh, how to? Singapore did it. Oh, right. I think. Yeah, I mean Singapore did do it lah. The elections, I mean, like I think it the, the polling went up to about what three in the morning or something like that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The because I know at one point they, they didn't even close the post the post past twelve. People they had still lined up to vote. And that is a population of five million people, okay? Can you imagine yeah. ours? So I mean so yeah. Staggered polling. They they are they have options like for example, maybe you had we used to have elections over several days instead of one day before. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe that's one way to do it. Mm. Uh yeah. Uh, I mean, basically, that's the only thing that they can do. Mm. We don't have any other. We, we, at this point, we don't even know because Prikatan and Mafakat, they're not formalized coalitions, right? Yeah, or so, they're not. Uh? They're not, they're not. Okay, okay. So, like, even Prikatan itself, technically, the government of the day, right? Isn't mm. a formal coalition, you know? So, and then Amno decides to pull out. It's interesting to be pulling out from a non formal coalition and then you're still expressing support for the. For the coalition, uh, so step one is to formalize whatever coalition is supposed to be in place, and then I think they can move forward. But I keep on thinking to back to twenty eighteen, right? So, because when it first happened, when the Sheraton move first happened in February, March, yeah, February, we wanted 
some sort of justice, right? Because it, um, we felt like our vote was just completely overturned in, in a day, right? Yep. In a matter of days. And then I think that, that, um, that issue has sort of died down the past, the past few months because a lot of things have happened. It's somewhat, it somewhat seems to be a trend or a common theme in Malaysia, you know? Like, especially when at first um, Najib's uh, corruption charges or the 1MDB scandal blew up, right? There were other things that followed soon after that and you sort of put it on the back burner. Yeah. And then it came to light again. Um, so, in your opinion, right, if Perikatan National democratically um, is voted for, then I, I guess then I think it's fine. I think at least we know that it went through a proper democratic process assuming that it's clean, would you feel like that's okay? And on the assumption that Pakatan Harapan didn't serve the full five years. Oh. Whether that's okay. Like, would, I mean, would you, I mean, would you accept it? I mean, you have no choice but to, but like. <laughs> you have no choice but to, but are you okay with but it? You, are you okay with it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be quite, disheartening to me because it would suggest that uh, at the end of the day, right, all, whatever change we want to see depends on the people's will mm. to force a change. And uh, so the question is in 2018, mm. was it the people's will to force a change or was it just the same group of people who have always been mm. uh, asking for reform and anti-corruption uh, and it's just the fact that you know, there were the Malay parties running against each other and that's why the opposition, Pakatan, managed to win the election, right? And mm. so, if like, you come around to another election this year or next year, mm. and if you see the same old faces coming back to power, yeah. this time on a democratic mandate, right? Mm. Then the problem goes much deeper than just the people in charge. It's, yeah. the, it's, it's us, it's the society which, which really hasn't changed all that much. Mm. And uh, oof, it's so and it's and it's uh, hasn't really escaped the the communal thinking, right? I mean, I, that's I that's my feeling. Yeah, I agree. I one hundred percent agree. And, and in that case, like what I mean, there's a lot less hope for the country if that's the, if that's the case, lah. I think. You want your thoughts, Deva? I mean, this is on the opinion of Pakatan Harapan being the 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 new uh, knight in shining armor right i mean they have their own problems as well my thoughts on this is i mean i mean very similar lah. like um we voted the re- the reason the, the reason that pakata harapan even won was we wanted to give it a new face right mm. it was mm. it was like this thing that was this institution that was so old and it's been in place for so long that you know obviously yeah. it had it would have corruption lah. i mean yeah. any system if you keep yeah. it long enough and we wanted to give it this new face and then in one day everything switches around bro yeah when you when you already have so little will right and then you do that right boy bury man bury bury uh, i don't know but uh i mean i would say mama is optimistic one like, i'm not so <laughs> but i would say that uh it's not to say that things are back to square one I won't. I wouldn't go so far as to say uh-huh. things are back to square one. Totally optimistic. No, I mean, uh, symbols are important, lah. And what mm-hmm. happened in in twenty eighteen, right? It's a it, it is a very it is a very symbolic event. It sure, will live sure. on in in the minds of of a lot of people for for a good long while, lah. You know, if 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 you look at other countries, right? Uh, I think if you look at, for example, uh, Poland. They, they are the ones who first fought to bring down the communist uh, system. They had the whole, uh, the, the, the movement against communism started there under mm. uh, Lech Walesa, the, the anti-communist unions and all that. Mm. And so the, the, the fall of communism started in Poland, right? This very authoritarian system, uh, which, which oppressed them for what, 45 years, it fell in Poland first in like 1989, 1990, and then they elected the reformists uh, into power. Mm. Four years after that, or four or five years after that, the people in Poland voted for the communists again. Yep. Voted them back into power. And, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a shock, right? That you would 
yeah. so easily go back. But in in fact, they had voted these people back into power, but the system had the the mood had shifted. The system had in some way changed. That all these uh, abuses simply wouldn't fly anymore. And if you look at Poland okay. today, it is uh, it is a fairly democratic country, especially if you compare to what it was back then. Uh, you know, there's it's not a one party state. They have competitive elections. They are uh, they are growing economy and and they they do have uh, quite good civil liberties. And you know, this is a pattern that. Even in places like South Korea, Taiwan, they have voted the old faces back into power mm. uh, at times, but uh, it's not the same anymore. And I think that if you look at what's been happening in the past few months, right, I'm not being back in charge, but things are not exactly the same as they were before. And uh, so that's my one uh, uh, glimmer of hope. Lah. But, but like you say, right, but like even just in... Right now, money politics is still very strong in Perikatan national yes. DNA, really, yeah. right? So, like you said, if are you sure uh, there's still a glimmer of hope? Because right now, there's no real strong implication. The system has changed. Because even with, right now with Najib's conviction, I really believe that it's more of an optics thing than anything, right? It's mm-hmm. supposed to give his government legitimacy that he, you know, he's fighting for the greater good and whatever bullshit like that. So, do you believe that there is a shift? I think or that can be a shift. Well, to me, uh, what brought what brought this whole thing to light, the one MDB crisis mm. and a lot of other scandals, mm. it was civil society, right? It was mm. not the institutions yeah. which did it, and uh, that there's a kind of culture that has become. That has become prevalent uh, where civil society is holding the, 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 the government of the day to account even when the institutions of power don't do it right. Mm. And if you look at the, 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 the Bursay rallies and uh, basically the whole movement of people which work towards this goal, right? Mm. Uh, I don't think that that's going to go away. And uh, if any government which tries to do this sort of thing again, in some way, they have to answer to that. Lah. That is what will hold them to account more than anything else. And if you look at the places of power, right, the mm. centers of power, you know, places like you know, KL, where the, the whole like, engine of the economy and the administration is, right? Mm. These, are solid, uh, th- these are solidly um, opposition areas, right? Mm. And uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you have a government which is trying to like, circumvent the, the democratic system, uh, trying to rig the elections. I mean, all the old tricks which you saw in the past, but which they would have to ramp up, right? Because they 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 can never be sure of winning an election again the way they were before. Uh, yeah. I think that people. I think that there is a good chance that people simply won't stand for it, lah. That there will be some kind of like. There will be there will be real consequences, like If you look at what's happening in Hong Kong, if you look at what happens in Taiwan, in the, uh, in in these places, uh, pe- people. People learn from example, uh, and and uh, any government will have to be afraid of that. Mm. One yeah. thing you know, I take into account when I think about this, right? Is that the voting block or the voting population, right? If there's a snap election, mm. I think it will definitely be very different with only eighteen in play. Oh yes, right? Yeah, and. We are, uh, right now also. I mean, it's hard to work on the basis that we're shifting, right? Because we've been working with a voting generation um, that is fairly so used to this sort of institutions in play. And then when you introduce a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds into the, into the fold, yeah. I think, I think, you know, I believe that there could be a huge swing towards uh, Pakatan. Yeah. In my opinion. And hopefully, you know, we all need to be well informed of what's been going on, you know, um, so hopefully, what do you think about that actually? Yeah, what do you think about Undi 18? Do you mm. think that that's going to make I it? I believe that they, can, they, hold a lot of, they could hold a lot of swing here. I mean, for Pakatan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, la, I mean, I don't know. I have no opinions on this, la, really. I don't. The, the only danger is the apathy of, of the youth. La. Like, we yeah. all know people who don't register to vote, who are not really interested in what's going on. Yep. Uh, if you look at any country in the world, it's the youth who vote the least, you know? So, mm. I mean, with, with everything that's happening, I think it's to a certain extent quite just, I don't know. I don't know. 
I just feel like, you know, you get you can get confused. You can get um, sucked into all this. Um, but the, the entirety of our pol- the politics that's happening in Malaysia right now, you get sucked into it and then you'll be like, uh, I want to work for Pakatan, but What's you know. What's the point? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I think that young people need to overcome that kind of disillusionment. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the only way that you can affect change, you know, like yeah. the is is the only thing that's left to you in in mm. in many circumstances. So yeah, hopefully there there is enough energy from from young people to. I think that there, there should be you know like like Parliament Digital was a really strong indication of that, right? Yeah. I mean you have fifteen year olds participating in Parliament Digital. I I I really would hope so at least. It's just that I don't know. Hopefully, there are no games in play where you know if there were a snap election. Oh no, those who haven't registered before can't register to vote. So yeah, this is a message to all eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds, twenty-year-olds to please go and register to vote. Even twenty-one-year-olds, you know, like a lot of people who are of eligible age unregistered to vote. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, my God, this is like it's just insane sometimes. And I would say, yeah. right, even if you live in an area, like for example, we are in DJ Selatan, right? Solid, yeah. uh, uh, DAP, PKR, always will win here. But, yeah. uh, it still makes a difference to vote. If you, uh, I think, right, uh, one of the most significant milestones along the way to Malaysia Baru and 2018 election, right, was mm. actually the election before that because the opposition got a majority in terms of the number of votes, you know, and that sent a big message to to the country yeah. at large, you know, that there is a base of support for, for changing the way things work in, in this country, right? And mm. so, like, your vote, uh, whether or not it affects the result directly, it mm. sends a message. Mm. Yeah, I never underestimate the power of, of that message like, to the people in charge. Mm. I feel like we need to let, I need to let them serve the term, you know. I need to yeah, see yeah, what yeah. They, they, they need to do it, you know. I, 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 I don't know. I think that if you have a snap election now, right, when they have not sorted things out between themselves, they're, they're still at loggerheads. You don't know whether Amno and Basatu are going to run against each other. Uh, yesterday, uh, this week, I think, in, uh, in Trunganu, Amno mm. said that they're going to run in all the seats in Trunganu. You know, mm. Trunganu is a past state, past mm-hmm. threat, Trunganu, right? But Amno yeah. said they're going to run. In all seats in Trungano, so even within um, between Amno and Pas, it's not like hundred percent unity, right? Yeah. And also remember that uh, these three parties basically share the same, almost the same ideology. Mm. They the only reason they exist. Is two parts are, yeah, I mean Pas is more Islamist, but they have adopted yeah. all the messages. What the base is the same, lah. Yeah, 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 and and basically they exist as separate parties. Yeah. Not because of ideology, but because of personalities. Mm. That yeah. people are tied to Muhyiddin. That people are tied to Zahid and Najib. That people are tied to Hadi Awang, right? Yeah. And mm. so, like, I, I think that if you gave it enough time, then you may actually see them, like, consolidate. So, better better an election sooner rather than later before they can figure yeah. that stuff out. Yeah, because really, they combined all... If they go into a coalition together, <sighs> I don't... <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. I don't know what's the likelihood of the opposition winning yeah. in the next God knows how many years. No, if, and I was I was looking at the election results again uh, today and mm. if you go through, especially like in states like Kedah and all that, right, where the opposition won seats, uh, where Pakatan won seats rather, if you yeah. add up the votes from the BN and PAS candidates, right, mm. they would have beat uh, the Pakatan candidate, hands down. Even people like, even in uh, places like... Uh, Kubang Pasu, which is uh, mm. Maate's old seat, mm. uh, didn't actually win a majority of the votes. Actually, mm. the, if you add Amno and Pass votes together, they would have won that, that election. So yeah, it's, it's quite concerning, honestly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. You only, yeah, because we benefited on the fact that they were split. Yeah. yeah. They split the vote, right? Mm. So that is very true. La. So okay, there's a very good segue into the last part, which is Sabah, right? We can yeah, talk about third maybe bomb, the, third bombshell. the third bombshell. Bombshell number three. Yes. The role of what Sabah can play to this snap election and also what happened this week yeah. in Sabah. Yeah. Okay. Who wants to give it away? You did you did you tell you did you tell. No 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 no. This one I think I'm not so well informed. This one I think I give it to you or Bamba. Bamba, Bamba IQ. Okay. I'm over the sea, that's why, you know. 
We are also over the sea from Sabah to be fair. You know? exactly. We are about the same distance from Sabah. Bro, I got to focus on Singapore politics or so, lah, bro. Oh, what, what are you trying to say, Irene? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I got to balance it out. I'm, I'm doing a podcast on only on Malaysian politics. That you can trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So, uh, so, what's happening in Sabah, right? What happened in Sabah? So, TLDR. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but hey, Bamba, shut up. Teva, why did you explain? <laughs> okay, go on, go on, go on. Yeah. Uh, to summarize, the, the, the I thought you know TLDR was like long distance relationship, you know, for <laughs> like like oh, something long distance too long distance relationship too long you know it's too long distance relationship oh, I also thought the same thing you know? <laughs> not even kidding <laughs> you need to get in the times bro sorry 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry let's get back to it uh. so the chief minister in Sabah is uh, Shafi Abdal right uh, he was part of the he's allied to Pakatan Harapan at the last election mm. He had a majority, uh, he had a decent majority. I think he had like 43 seats out of 65 mm. in the Sabah State Assembly. And uh, the opposition leader, the BN leader, Amusa Aman, uh, basically managed to get about 13 or 12 to 13 of these leaders, 12 to 13 of these representatives to cross over to the BN, to the Perikatan side, or basically to his side. It's very confusing. Nobody knows. You know, this guy, he, he had a press conference, he said, you see, I've got the majority now. And then, <laughs> the next day, Sabah Amno said, we were not involved. <laughs> but this guy is from Amno. <laughs> <laughs> so, he had this press conference, and all these representatives are holding up their placards, like, counting, you know, one, two, three, four, oh five, as God. if you cannot count in a picture. <laughs> uh, and then he met the Sabah governor, who, who, who appoints the chief minister, right? He met the Sabah governor and then he said, okay, I'm going to be sworn in. Then after that, Shafi Abdal went to meet the Sabah governor and then next morning had a press conference on uh, Friday morning and said, this is what happened that basically these representatives have been bribed to switch sides and bring me down yeah. and uh, we're not going to let this happen. So the Sabah governor has agreed to dissolve the assembly and call for snap elections. And uh, at this point, it's basically Musa Aman <laughs> yes. So he was up in arms about it. How can you do this? I have a majority. COVID is going on. How can you have elections? And then <laughs> he drove back with his entourage of like 10 alphas to the Sabah governor's palace, you know, oh. to like demand that mm-hmm. he be sworn in as governor. The police wouldn't let him go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, good, for, good for Shafi, really. Good yeah, for Shafi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, we have snap elections within uh, around 60 days in Sabah. It's a done deal. Mm. It's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, uh, a lot of people are talking about this kind of frogs, uh, it, the, the lompat politics, right? Where they jump from one party to the another. But I think you need to pause and remember that at the last election, Shafi didn't win the election. Mm. On the day after the election, Musa Aman was sworn in as the chief minister and he had a majority. And then on the same day, two members switched sides to Shafi yeah. and that's how he became chief minister. So, I mean, uh, in terms of moral ground, he's a bit shaky, lah, I would say. But it seems like very, fairly obvious that there was a lot of money involved in these representative switching sides. Yeah. Uh, some, some are saying that even up to 30 million ringgit per MP Per, not MP, sorry, uh, Aduns. Yeah. Thirty million, up to thirty million ringgit per Adun was being dished out to to encourage them to switch sides. Even nine, I think nine members from Shafi's own party went over to to BN. That is insane. Thirty-two million each, bro. That's the, that's exactly my point. You know, like you still like this this place and these schemes are still in play. Yeah, of course, <sighs> but. Uh, I think that this, I mean, in, in a sense, uh, it, it will tell us, right, one of the people's, a bit, uh, it will tell us a bit about what people's reaction to this kind of politics is. Because when you have the election, right, it will be very interesting to see mm. how the people respond to their elected representatives hopping mm. around like this. Yeah. Uh, whether they view it as a betrayal or not. 
And if they do, if uh, if Shafi wins wins a majority, if this kind of politics is rejected at the ballot box, it will have a lot of implications for our for our national politics as well, right? Because it will make a lot of people stop and wonder yeah. uh, whether they're going to get away with this for much longer, whether they want to, whether they can risk a snap election at the national level or not. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, exciting times, I would say. At the very least, like, <laughs> all else aside, yeah. exciting times. It's the first time uh, when you have the Sabah elections, right? It's the first real test of uh, the people's acceptance of the Perikatan, this new Perikatan yeah. national government. We have no indication because in Malaysia, we don't really have proper, op- we don't have opinion polling. We don't know what the government's favorability is like amongst yeah. the population. Uh, mm-hmm. So the only real way to test is at the ballot box. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good test, la, a statewide election. Yeah, very true. In a, in, a, in a state like Sabah, where they actually hold, there's a lot of political power there that actually would determine what yeah. the, it's more of like, it's somewhat of like a proxy into what really, will really happen on a national wide level. Uh. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a proxy because like politics in Sabah, the racial composition, everything is very different there, right? No, what, yeah. what I mean is that it can either, it can actually make or break the election. I mean, like in a state yeah. like Sabah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like when the government in, in Putrajaya has two seats majority, and I believe two of the seats are from Sabah smaller parties, which are not part of BN. So you know what? Uh, yeah, what, what ramifications could you have there? You know, if, if all it needs is two people to switch sides, and mm. government comes down. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. What is okay? So is that all we have to say about Sabah? I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't have much. Because yeah, it's, it's very encouraging that the the government that the mandate was returned to the people instead of. Yeah, I agree. Instead I of, agree. Uh, that is a better government like we have at the moment, lah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think this. Musa Aman kena game. Ah, uh, Musa Aman kena game. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you see right now, right? Right now, we're actually protected by the fact that we're not. A platform yet no or sorry, sorry a developing platform yeah. right oh. we need to get our voices heard and mm. and i want i uh, hopefully maybe musaman hears our message ah. if someone just tell him the pendulum show says gonna game you know <laughs> you know i don't know what he expected you know because of the <laughs> you know what happened i don't know if you remember what happened after the election right when shafi was sworn in uh, mm. Musa was insisting that he still has a majority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically like sent people to harass the governor. A police report was lodged, really? uh, uh, and there were roadblocks set up just like there is now. And he thought the governor is just going to hand over the keys to him right now. <laughs> <laughs> he looks really cool, you know. Have you seen the picture of the of the governor? Oh, you know the governor, right? No, I haven't. He's quite a funky looking dude, lah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he should be in a movie. Yeah. Maybe yes. you can have him on the show. Uh please pass this message also <laughs> to the governor. <laughs> Whoever's listening. But okay, like, you know, I think overall a uh, little bit mixed feelings about the future of the elections or whether justice has been served. Well we know it's a, there's some light in Sabah. So overall, how would you rate this week's how how Malaysia performed in politics this week, Bamba? How would you rate it? I would give it a, I would give it a seven or an eight. It's been one of the better weeks that we yeah. had recently. Hmm. Sure, for sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Same. Same. I agree. I think the next step is that maybe the three of us we split the vote even further. We run as independents for the next election. I don't think I can afford the deposit, which I will definitely lose, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh trying to butter the governor for the governor to give him the keys. You know? <laughs> I can't run in Sabah. I run, I run here, lah, bro. Actually, no, no, lah, it's fine, lah, it's fine. <laughs> we stay away from politics, Hey, what this show is centered on politics and local current affairs. Uh, we talk about the politics, lah. We stay away from it. <laughs> oh, that's true, lah. We have to be objective as possible. Yes. 
Yes. Even though we have very clear biases of <laughs> Okay lah. I guess uh, that's about it yep. for today, right? Mm. Okay, Teva, would you how would you read politics this week? Teva, I mean I think we're all on the same boat. Lah. It's been it's been good lah to see some sort of change, right? Mm. Yep, I agree. I agree. That's okay. all for doing exactly what he did. Yeah, props. Yeah. Yep. All right then. I guess uh, that's all for today. Want to say? Want to sign off, Bamba? All right. We'll see you again next week, hopefully. Uh, that's the Pendulum Show. <laughs> Where are we gonna go? <laughs> Where are we gonna go? I'm very bad at doing the exits, like, okay, nothing <laughs> okay, I'll take over from you, Bamba. Okay, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Why do we why always say good night? I don't know why. <laughs> it's at any time. We can't We're not even recording at night. You know? Yeah, look at the sun. <laughs> I mean, from our team, from our team song, we're a very ja- jazzy show, right? And oh, jazz normally happens at night. So I guess... I think, right, what you say, I think what we should do, right? You say good night. Deva uh, says good evening. I say good afternoon. Uh, and that's it. We come and then you come back business. to you and you say goodbye. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay. One, two, three. Good night, everybody. Good morning. I got. Let's just end the episode now. <laughs> bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs>